Thanks for joining us for another episode of Digging Deeper. I'm Jared, and this is Pastor Andy Giles. And today we're going to be digging deeper into his sermon from this past Sunday. So Andy, thank you for being here. Yes, sir. Would you mind doing a little bit of a recap for us from this past Sunday? Yeah, great. I uh, spoke on John 15, uh, verses 1 through 17, continuing in the upper room uh, discussion that Jesus had with his disciples. And we looked at that a disciple is one who believes in Jesus a couple of weeks ago, a disciple is one who loves Jesus. And then we saw really the outworking of that belief in loving Jesus actually produces something. What it produces is fruit. And Jesus talks about how that is what the Father is looking for in a disciple is someone who bears fruit. And it's interesting, I said in my message that he uses the word bears fruit, not produce fruit, uh, because ultimately it's Jesus working through us uh, who produces the fruit. We're called to bear it and display that fruit uh, to the world. And the fruit that he talks about is the fruit of loving one another. And that is a is the outworking of a belief in Jesus and a love for Jesus overflows into a love for one another. But we cannot do that in and of our own strength it's through abiding in christ through staying connected to that vine through uh, staying connected to jesus that we are able to love one another and so kind of the if you wanted to summarize uh, my message in a sentence is that the father is seeking disciples who love one another by abiding in jesus mm. So talking about like abiding in Christ and what that looks like. As a pastor, I'm sure you abide in Christ pretty much all the time, right? 24-7. Yeah. yeah. Is that true? Uh, not quite. It's ah. obviously uh, something, and you can almost say this about every sermon, is we're, we're not preaching as experts. We're preaching as fellow travelers on this journey of faith. And while we... At least the pastors on the staff here, we strive to have a close walk with Christ. We still face the same struggles as everyone who sits in the seats on a Sunday morning. It's, we're not immune to uh, the stresses of busyness, of tiredness, of kids waking us up in the middle of the night so that when we seek to get up early in the morning to do our chair time, we're wide and wide awake and, and bright and breezy. And and so if, if anyone thinks that their pastor has this like bat phone to Jesus, they're going to be sorely disappointed when they realize how human we are. Uh, but it is something I, I strive uh, to do. And it's not just chair time. It's not just that quiet time, devotion time, uh, whatever you call it at the start of the day, even though that's uh, kind of the kickstarter. Uh, and that's been, that's been something that I've, has always been encouraged in my faith from a very uh, young age, when I early, first became a Christian. Uh, my mentor is a teenager called Eric. He, he actually brought me to faith by buying me some teenage Bible study notes. And, and I, it was through doing chair time before I became a believer that I became a believer mm. uh, in, my own, in my own room, just reading the Gospel of John and Philippians uh, that I first came to know Christ. And so I was saved through chair time so I've got a high passion for it mm -hmm. in and of itself and I so it's always been something that's important to me I'm very much a, a bible nerd when it comes to I think so I, I find the reading the bible part really easy the praying part 
uh, a lot harder. So with regard to my chair time, what that looks like for me is my alarm goes off on a weekday at 5.45 in the morning and I try and get out of bed when my alarm goes off. That's where the battle begins. So it's not like I'm jumping out of bed, I'm usually rolling out of bed, turning off the alarm, hoping not to wake the baby. And I, for, for the longest time, I would just try and grab a cup of tea and get some caffeine in me and do my quiet time. But there are times I'd fall asleep in my chair. There are times that I'd have it open, but have to reread a sentence a hundred times to actually get anything out of it. Okay. So I was just so tired. And so what I was encouraged by uh, one of my mentors was like, do something to wake yourself up first. For him, it was going for a run. He got up, go for a run, that got his blood flowing, that woke him up. I'm, I'm not a runner. And, and so I get up and go in the shower and that just freshens me up and that is proven to be, okay, so 5.45 is shower time, six o'clock I'm uh, then uh, dressed and ready to uh, get into the word. Right now I'm, uh, I uh, spend time, I'm studying Galatians, uh, hopefully um, preaching that next year, a bit of a uh, early on Ooh, exclusive uh, <laughs> to what's coming next year uh, but I always want a book of the Bible to speak to my heart and challenge my life before I go and preach it so with the hope of preaching that next year I'm digging into it uh, just for my own devotions and so I'm looking through Galatians just going through it nice and slow trying to understand what uh, Paul was saying uh, to the church there and what it meant to them and how that uh, applies in my life and then if I don't get too engrossed in what I'm studying and or aren't disturbed by small children waking up uh, I spend uh, time praying and so that's my that's my chair time routine uh, but throughout the day is where that abiding in Christ is real because I can I could spend half an hour, an hour in the Bible in the morning and then have no connection with Jesus in the day. That's not abiding in the vine. That's like high-fiving the vine in the morning and living my own day. Uh, and so what I often do when I'm cooking the kids breakfast in the morning is I have a, a morning worship playlist. Uh, and so that's just some upbeat songs that gets me, that songs I love that get me praising. Uh, and the kids join in sometimes. And uh, it's the kids, songs the kids know and we kind of have a bit of a dance around the kitchen. We do Bible time as a family in the morning after breakfast. During the day, I'm listening to Christian music and not just that there's a lot of Christian music out there that is a bit fluffy and it honestly drives me a bit insane, but there's a lot of just solid, deep lyrics out there um, there's so much Christian music released each week that is just constantly fresh songs or remakes of old songs with a fresh feel that really just speak to my heart and make me thankful uh, for uh, abiding in Christ. I love to read and so I'm, I, I usually have two or three books on the go and I try and try to spend 20 to 30 minutes reading in a day and most often they are Christian books so they're getting me thinking about whether that's to do with ministry here at the church or being a father, being a husband, or some topic of theology. Uh, one of the books I'm reading right now is about preaching, for example. And I, um, so they, they help me to, to abide. 
I have various podcasts I listen to. Uh, so there's one uh, called Five Minutes in Church History. So it's just a super short podcast that I can listen to on the drive from my house to the, the church in the morning. And it just looks at some aspect of church history, some character uh, from church history and how they were faithful to God. That's an encouragement uh, to me. And so I'm trying to pepper in all these different ways to hook into the vine uh, throughout the day. It's not just my chair time, though that's kind of one of the anchors. Mm. Um, church on a Sunday is an anchor, grow group is an anchor, uh, but the, these little things each day that, I think I put, said it in my sermon on Sunday, that when I'm reading written words, whether that be in a newspaper, on a, a smartphone, mm. or in a book, whether I'm uh, listening to the spoken word, so radio in the car or podcasts, or whether I'm listening to the sung music, I want the majority of those words to be Christ-centered words rather than the world-centered words. I'm not saying we don't listen to non-Christian music, we don't listen to news media, we don't uh, listen, we don't read non-Christian music, I'm not saying that, but if th those words have power to shape us and mold us, and if we can use those words to point us to Jesus, that really helps us to uh, abide uh, more and more and more. And so, in no way am I perfect at it. I fail all the time. Um, but the, and maybe that's one of the uh, ones I forgot, is one of the greatest gifts we have to abide in Jesus is our repentance. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we recognize our sin, we should go to Jesus just as the prodigal son returned to the father and felt the father's embrace. We go to Jesus, confess our sin, and then receive his forgiveness. We, we preach the gospel to ourselves. We say, Jesus, I am sorry uh, that I have sinned by doing this, that, or the other. Um, please forgive me. And what I say after that is, thank you that you've promised to always forgive me when I confess. Thank you that your blood paid for my sin and I stand completely forgiven before you. I'm praying truth and thanking God for that truth, but doing it deliberately to remind myself mm. of that truth so that we can, so that I can abide in that way. I'm reconnecting into mm. the vine in that way. And so in one sense, my my sin throughout the day is a reminder that I need to reconnect. And I do that through repenting and believing the gospel. So as a pastor abiding in Christ, it's not a given. It's no. a concentrated effort. It's yeah. a focus on trying to fill your day with content, mm -hmm. with stuff, with things that are constantly pushing you back to the vine, yeah. to Christ, to be reminded of that. But even with all those things pointing you back to Christ, back to the vine throughout the day to help you abide in him, um, do you feel like that helps you love others more or does it impact, how does that impact your, your love of others? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the logical flow that Jesus was saying is that when we, when we abide in the vine, the natural result of that will be him bearing the fruit of loving others through us and through me. And I it's an area that's really challenged me in this passage because if you'd asked me six months ago, 
how do people grow in discipleship? What's, what's the evidence that someone's growing in discipleship? Um, like their knowledge of their faith would have been a big thing because a disciple is literally the word means a learner. So someone who's learning their faith, the truths and be, uh, of the gospel. And because that has shaped me and molded me so much, I'm almost reading that into what uh, discipleship is. But what, and what's said throughout the New Testament is that you can be growing in knowledge, but if you don't have love, I think it's in First Corinthians 13, Paul says we're just a, a clanging gong. If you've got all this knowledge, you've got all this truth, but you don't love people, it's, it's not working, it's, it's worthless. And, and, and so it's challenged my method of discipleship and even how we do discipleship as a church to not, to not not focus on truth and to not not focus on things like serving and, and giving and growing and all those kind of things. But we could, if we do all those things but don't love one another, we've failed because, because the, cult, the fruit of discipleship, true discipleship of abiding in the vine is loving one another. And I know for me personally, loving, if someone's right in front of me, if we're having a conversation, I can be very present and engage, asking deep questions, lay a hand on the shoulder, pray for them, and just love them in that moment. But... I suffer from the problem of out of sight, out of mind. As soon as someone leaves my presence, I can literally just not forget what we talked about, but it just doesn't cross my mind to recall, to pray for them through the week. I was even sharing with my uh, grow group on Sunday evening how while I, I love them when we're together. I love hanging out with our grow group, especially our guys time that we have in the second half of our group where we pray together as guys. I love that time and I love uh, showing concern for the guys who are going through ups and downs of life. But I know come 8 p.m. on a Sunday when grow group is over, it's rare that I think about or even pray honestly for those prayer requests through the week until next Sunday at 6 p.m. when they're in front of me again. And I'm like, oh, I love these guys because uh, they're right here. But then 8 p.m. comes and they go away. I'm like, who am I loving? Because uh, they're not right there in front of me. And uh, I don't think that's what Jesus means by love one another, not just when you're in front of each other, but when you are not, be thoughtful, be prayerful uh, for one another. And we live in the day of modern communication where I can literally call any of those guys any moment, send them a message, send them a video message, whatever it is, I can love them very, very well. And I know that one of the, at, at Grow Group on Sunday night, we did the love languages assessment where we looked at each, uh, love languages for, for a grow group, how we show love to each other as individuals, not as husbands, wives, or that kind of relationship, but as just as friends. And everyone apart from one person in our group, their number one love language is quality time. And I know how selfish I am with my time. And that has been the biggest challenge to me, is knowing that for me to love others, as I think Jesus is calling me to do, it means I need to give up some of the me time or my family time, my time with Rachel, mm. um, to love others well. And not, and that's not to say I've got to sacrifice my marriage to go and love others because I can still spend quality time 
with my wife numerous evenings a week. But if I do that all the time at the expense of giving some time to love others or going out for breakfast one if it's in the morning rather than the evening, whatever it is, it's I'm not loving people well because I'm selfish with my time. Mm. I I have people in time slots on my grow group. They're in there at 6 to 8 p.m. on a Sunday evening time slot. That's when you guys get loved. Apart from that, you, I, I'm loving others. That's, that's not love. Um, and so it's a big, big heart whack for me, this passage of I've got to love people. And I... I, as Jesus said in verse 13, greater love has known this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And not necessarily meaning my death, but I'm laying down my life, the life I want to live selfishly. I'm laying that down. So I'm laying my time, my time priorities down for the sake of others. And, and so it's a, yeah, it's a super challenging passage, particularly when, the level of love as we discussed on Sunday uh, in verse 9 uh, Jesus says as the father has loved me so have I loved you and then in verse 12 he says love one another as I have loved you and I showed that graphic of the father loves the son the son loves us we should love the love others love one another and so it's literally saying in the same way that the father loves and delights in the son that's the level of love I have to have to other people and I'm just like man this is, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing in verse five, he really meant it because mm-hmm. that is so beyond my ability to do that if I do not abide in Jesus, staying connected to the vine, I cannot do it. And even when I do stay connected to the vine, there's so much of me that wants to shake the fruit off and just be a naked branch so that I don't have to love other people because it's, it's, I'm, I'm selfish. Uh, but that's what my Lord and Master calls me to do. And so that's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. Those are some really good thoughts. Thank you for taking some time to sit down and share a little Pleasure. bit extra from your sermon with us. Um, and stay tuned. There will be more episodes coming every week. And we'll see you next time. Bye.